We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugi with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife Parks. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. If you're just hearing our voices for the first time, welcome. I am Julia and joined by co-host Tana Wagner. And our other co-host that wasn't able to join us today is Rachel Alice. She is out enjoying time with family. So hello, Rachel, from the microphones. Hope everyone has had a wonderful Independence Day. Uh, We're recording this the day after the 4th on July 5th. So uh, that kind of gives you a background on when we did the recording. So here in Lincoln, uh, Nebraska, we were blessed with a special light show. Just as the sun was setting, the perfect time for kicking off the fireworks and and lighting the sky with the big booms, we kind of had a a different (laughs) boom that we actually had been looking for and praying for for months. A massive storm rolled into the area. Now, while I was excited to see the rain and the storm and to go like literally dancing in it, you you could imagine the uh, the sad tears in our kids' eyes. They were so disappointed uh, that they didn't get to shoot the fireworks all on the 4th of July. But you know what? We, we got over it. So we quickly ran into the house soaking wet. A couple minutes later, the electricity went out. So rather than, you know, sitting below the flash of fireworks, we played dominoes by flashlight in the living room. (laughs) Tana, what did your 4th of July look like? (laughs) Luckily, we kept power the entire time. Um, Those storms kind of rolled through Kansas this morning. I think we actually lost power during my uh, morning workout this morning. So that was exciting being in the pitch dark gym. But (laughs) 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 4th of July was good. You know, my husband's out of town right now for work. And um, I had just been out visiting family for my dad's hip surgery the week before. So I just kind of hung out at home, laid low. There were lots of fireworks in my area, much to my dog Kane's chagrin. He was uh, very, very anxious. And he, don't tell Jacob, but he he got to sleep in the bed last night because he was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> My dog would be jealous as well. She, you know, and she doesn't like storms either. So it was a it was a double whammy for my poor Abby. She just, Aww. yeah, with the fireworks and and the storms rolling in, she she hid. And now she's not an indoor dog and still wasn't last night. But we at least found a special spot uh, that she felt a little bit more comfortable in the barn. Oh, good. Yeah. So July is a good time to hit the water with a fly rod. Uh, You may be thinking, why is fly fishing different than casting a traditional rod and reel? So fly fishing is a way of, you know, it's fooling the fish with an artificial fly. It is a natural, you know, it's a natural for fish to be seeking insects to feed on this time of year. So, you know, I don't know about your area, but Nebraska is full of flying insects in July. So our guest, Diana Kincaid from Dakota City, Nebraska. And if you're not familiar with Dakota City, is it's it's in the far corner of northeast Nebraska. She probably can just like throw something over into Iowa. And Diana joins us today 
because she to share her fly fishing exp- experience and expertise. Diana is a natural fit for the conversation. She has uh, instructed the fly fishing and lure making class for many years at Nebraska's Become an Outdoor Woman program and our main weekend workshop, as well as Beyond BOW workshops. Diana, please introduce yourself. Good morning, Julia and Tana. I'm Diane Kincaid. I live in Dakota City, Nebraska. Grew up in Missouri. Uh, started, well, my grandpa's the one that kind of exposed me to fishing when I was a little kid. Um, then I raised two boys, and, and they've enjoyed fishing, and I just wanted to learn how to do something a little bit different and got into fly fishing. Simple as that, huh? <laughs> well, I took a workshop. Um, I saw an ad in a magazine for a women's workshop out in Wyoming. And I think I was maybe turning 40 at the time. And I told my husband I was interested in that workshop. um, And I went and it was amazing. Um, I enjoyed the women teaching women. And of course, it was a beautiful spot. So that's the one thing I will tell people is fly fishing takes you beautiful places, whether you catch fish or not. It's just something really special to do. I love that. Well, we're so glad to have you here to share your knowledge and experience with us. Um, man, I I love that you actually got into fly fishing from a women's event, and now you are back sharing your knowledge with others through the BOW program. That's just so cool. I realized that there was something special about women teaching women. Uh, it's not intimidating. Uh, I think we've all had our husbands or boyfriends try and quote unquote, tell us what to do. And <laughs> it's just, um, I don't know, it's just kind of a natural thing to maybe resist that a little bit. But with women, it's just a real trusting situation. And there's no wrong questions. There's, you know, you just, it's super laid back. So when I got back from that, that was, oh, I think that was probably like 1998 or 1990. And then I went back the following year and took a guide school. Um, I went for a week. I knew I wasn't ever going to be a guide, but I wanted to learn how to row a drift boat and just do a lot of that stuff that got a little more involved with the whole fly fishing part. And then I discovered the Becoming an Outdoor Women program through Nebraska and contacted Julie Geiser and asked if they had fly fishing and They had a woman instructor, and at the time they did not. I think it was a a gentleman, but he was getting ready to step down, so timing was really good for me. What a cool story. You just really dove in headfirst, huh, Diana? (laughs) I did, yes. (laughs) So talk to me a little bit more about like the emotional motivation of getting into fly fishing, because you expressed to your mom... I can only imagine you weren't short on things to do. You weren't just bored and like wanting to pick something new up. I imagine you had a million responsibilities. So what was the drive there? Was it to connect with nature? Was it to kind of center yourself in this rhythmic fly fishing process? Talk more about that side of it. Okay. Well, I always loved being outdoors, doing different things. And my boys at the time were getting into fishing. And my youngest son especially is really good at nymphing, which is kind of an art in its own. And 
that's what motivated me was to learn about the fly fishing so that as a family, we could maybe do some vacations along that line, which my husband will fly fish, but that's not his fishing of choice, which is fine. But we did some pretty amazing vacations to Southern Colorado and Wyoming and Montana. So it was a super fun way to connect with the boys and, um, Quick story, my youngest son had bought a moving company out in Colorado several years ago, and his thought was, I'm going to work where I can play so I don't have to make a whole lot of money. I'll just have everything right there. And it was probably end of August, first part of September, I went out to visit him and I said, so how much have you been fishing this summer? He said, Mom, I haven't fished at all because he was living by his phone, waiting for all those phone calls for people to line up moving jobs. And I said, so how's your plan working for you, Dan? And he said, not very good, Mom. (laughs) No. (laughs) So I drug him up to Estes Park and we went fishing in Estes Park and just had a great afternoon. But I just had a that was just a kick for me. I'll never forget that. Oh, what a beautiful story. Um, Julia, I don't know how many minutes we're in now, but it's already time for me to get up on one of my soapboxes. Do you mind? Go for it. Do it. <laughs> Diana's beautiful story of connecting with her family and her motivations there reminded me of some conversations we've had about Bo in Kansas recently. Um, because Bo is such a wonderful program overall, we get asked all the time by women, can I bring my children to this event? Can I bring my daughter, my young daughter to this event? And while we love that, and we certainly have events that are geared for that, typically we say we just want to focus on these adult women. And Diana's a great example of women being able to take that knowledge and then go on and share that with their family, share that with their friends, share that with their peers through, you know, a community program or through a wildlife and parks program like Bo. So um, I just wanted to put that out there. You know, women events with children, family events, mommy daughter events, great. We love them and we do those sometimes, but um, it's awesome to see people going out, getting empowered, and then going back and being able to share that knowledge with their family. And in a big part, that's what Bo is all about. So kudos to you, Diana. Um, and thanks for letting me <laughs> turn that into a point because it's come up recently. You're absolutely right, Tan. It's the same questions we receive here in Nebraska. And Diana's story on how she has taken what she has learned from her adult programs uh, and, and knowing now that she has become the mentor that is, that's what we're looking for. That's what, and that's what we need. We need those mentors, whether you're mentoring your family, you're mentoring friends, or how she, Diana even reached out to Julie on her own and said, hey, I want to be your instructor. I need to be an instructor. That is what, that's what needs to happen. That's what we need to happen. Okay, but first I have to, before I ask my, my first question, is explain nymphing. You said your son has the art of nymphing. What is that? Okay, so fish, basically, like 90% of the time, they are eating subsurface. So nymphing is the art of getting down into the water with your fly and attracting those fish. Um One part of fly fishing I absolutely love is if you have a dry fly, which floats on top of the water, and a fish rises to take that dry fly, that is so exciting. But 
that doesn't happen a lot of the time. I see Tana shaking her head. Yeah, that's pretty unusual. So nymphing is an art that um, that you can catch fish with, but it's it's not an easy thing. So awesome! It's definitely something that. Um we can strive for that skill to develop <laughs> over time, taking that next level, right? We talk about BOWs, take that next level and, and, and um, mastering nymphing could be that next level for those, those ears out there f- to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, you kind of started a little bit, you, uh, you had reached out to Julie, I believe you said like 98. So that kind of gives an idea how long you have been with the Become an Outdoor Woman, and that is that is wonderful. But you also not only just involved with BOW, but you're also a leader for other female efforts at the national level. Tell us about those programs. Well, the program I got involved in, um, and it was a recommendation through Nebraska Game and Parks that this gal contact me. Her name's Linda Lovegren. She's from Omaha, and she is a breast cancer survivor and was also a fly fisherman and saw in a magazine that they had a program called casting for recovery so she tried to find out where the retreat was in nebraska and discovered there was no chapter in nebraska so she being very motivated um, started a nebraska chapter so the first year I was involved with the Missouri River Outdoor Expo, which I know you're familiar with. That is our huge um, outdoor festival at the third weekend in September. And we've been doing that for over 15 years. So I'm on the board with that. So that was my commitment that first year of casting for recovery. But from the second year on, I've been the fly fishing instructor for that program. And the basis of that is the there was a surgeon that took her friend fly fishing and realized that the stretching motion, the casting motion, helped stretch the tissue that maybe was affected by surgical procedures or um, chemo for women that have had breast cancer. So it kind of sprang from there. And it's an international organization right now. And we're, it's well over 20 years, maybe 25 years that casting's been going. And I think almost every state has one. And I'm really excited to say South Dakota does not, but this year is their first one. And Nebraska is helping them get their first retreat off uh, the, actually the third week of September. So I'm not going to be at Expo this year. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? That is a good excuse. (laughs) Good excuse. (laughs) Wow, that's just, I love the idea behind it and the motivation behind it and getting these females out to experience the outdoors and an outdoor skill that is helping with their recovery, not only through like a mentally to be in nature and uh, recover that way and make themselves, you know, just feel more comfortable and enjoy the atmosphere, but they're doing a skill that's also helping them physically and improve physically and, and work those muscles. And to have that a surgeon out there also made that connection that uh, other than just drugs in, in physical therapy, that can be um, overwhelming at times. They're connecting them with the fly, the skill of fly fishing and something that they can continue uh, through their lifetime as well. Right. And the program, it's a, 
It's a weekend long and it's no expenses paid to these women. It's a lottery drawing. So we have 14 women of 10 to the retreat. Um, there's a medical person there. So they have medical discussions by themselves. There's a psychosocial person there uh, for anybody that wants to visit about issues they're having. Um, and the fly fishing part, I also do some fly tying. We do a whole afternoon of that. And that really kind of gets some of the gals excited too. You know, not everybody's going to go home and tie flies, but it's just another avenue. And I got into fly tying because it helped me understand a little bit more about the bugs and entomology part of it. But um, it also helps them focus. They're focusing on something and not thinking about their problem. And that's the beauty of fly fishing for me. Uh, you're not in a boat trolling and, you know, drinking beer and chit-chatting. You are, when you're fly fishing, you're totally focused on what's happening around you. And uh, it just takes you away. That's what I love about it. So, Diana, I have to admit, um, I am a fly fisher person myself. I got into it through the BOW program. That's where I was taught for the first time. And I was lucky to have Yay! some good, <laughs> lucky to have some uh, good mentors along the way that helped support me as I continued to develop those skills. And I'm still very much an amateur, um, but it's just so great and fun getting out there. But I have to admit, I was an angler before I got into fly fishing and I kind of I had an opinion that was just completely unfounded about fly fishing and it came across very um, almost like snooty to me and like fly fishermen look down their noses at traditional anglers and I was like, oh, I'm not going to get into an activity like that. And I just have to say, if anybody has that preconceived notion, get it out of your system. Fly fishing is so fun and engaging. It's a great way to connect with nature. It's not at all uppity. You don't have to have, you know, like a tennis outfit or some crazy get up to go <laughs> fly fishing. It's very approachable and fun. Um, so I had to, I had to admit that because um definitely guilty, but I love it now. And so I'm curious, Diana, if you'll kind of walk us through what a fly fishing trip looks like to you. And I know that's so broad, but how is it different from regular fishing? Talk to us about the equipment you use and how that differs from traditional angling. All right. Well, fly fishing is just another way to fish. Um, I love your point that you said uh, people have a misconception about it. And they think that you can only fly fish for like out in Colorado or Montana. And when you fly fish, you can fly fish for any kind of fish. It just depends on the size of the rod you're using and you're just going to change your equipment up a little bit. So in Nebraska, people say, where do you go? Well, we've got all kinds of farm ponds and we do a lot of our warm water fishing which you would do in Kansas too. I'm um, you're fishing for bass and bluegill and maybe some trout that have been planted, but um, yeah, pretty much I have a hip pack. I don't fish with a vest and uh, just your fly rod and some extra tippet. Um, there's different terms that once you get into fly fishing, you learn that maybe aren't part of regular fishing. Um, as far as the equipment goes and um, you try and match your line with your rod and um, rod size. So it would, a basic rod size would be like a five weight. If you're going to fish for bigger fish, you would go up a little bit in your size. So 
Um, I'll be honest, when I teach my workshop, I tell the gals, uh, when you're going someplace fishing, go to the fly shop, ask questions. They're always excited to share um, what they know, especially with women, because I think they're impressed that there's a woman there wanting to learn how to to do that sport. So um, you get a lot of information from people at fly shops as far as what the fish are biting on. Um, and the beauty of fly fishing, as with other fishing, is every day is different. Every body of water is different. Um, I love it, and I'm not intimidated by it because I know I'm never going to learn everything. It's always changing. So it's just a process, and you just go with it. Mm, absolutely. And one of the things I love about fly fishing is if you are an angler that goes out there and gets bored, like I am not much of a catfisher woman because I just get a little bored sitting there watching the rod and reel but I was so <laughs> attracted to fly fishing because of that you are active the whole time like you mentioned before Diana you're so focused on the process and it's this kind of beautiful like cyclical motion that is so nice to get into the rhythm of so if you find yourself saying eh, I don't know if angling's for me I don't know if fishing's for me I find it a little boring I encourage you to try fly fishing because it's such an engaging cool process and I think that's why maybe the misconception of people being a little more, I don't know, focused on fly fishing. Once you do it, it's so much fun. And you're, I, I just love it, the whole process. Whether you catch a fish or not, it's just really fun to be out there trying to figure it all out. So it's hard to go back to other fishing. <laughs> <laughs> And I love too. most of the flies are so compact that you can just, you know, head out there with a little fanny pack or something like that. Usually when I'm fishing, I've got my giant like fishing tackle box backpack <laughs> that I carry around with me. But you can stick a couple flies in a fanny pack and hit the water and be good for the day. Oh, yeah. I have um, it, with our BOW program, we have the fishing day and Daryl Bauer is the fishing guru with the game and parks and he comes with all his tackle boxes and it's really funny but <laughs> and his little wax worms and all that stuff but it's pretty fun he's a good guy yes definitely <laughs> you know and speaking of fly uh making flies you know, in the middle of the winter you know tana and rachel and I are having conversations on our podcast episodes of what can i be doing in the middle of winter to prepare for the upcoming season and fly fishing is one of those where you could spend you know a rainy day a cold day and and sit in how in the house and make your flies in preparation for the upcoming season so you know maybe that's another benefit of fly fishing it's too just always it's it's a year-round process and, and something to, to do. To say not only that, but some of the um, items that you harvested maybe during the hunting season, during that winter, you can turn around and use those in your flies. So, Diana, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned you make your own flies. What's your favorite type of material to, to use and what's your favorite type of fly? Oh, I always tend to go to the pheasant tail nymph. Those are fun to tie. And I always, um, that's one of the flies we tie when we do our workshop. Uh, woolly bugger is kind of a basic, um, it just kind of looks like a little fish and that's an easy thing to tie. I've worked with deer hair a little bit, but that's a challenge. You know, being hollow, it, it it's just a whole different technique. But 
to Julia's mention, that would be an awesome thing to practice in the winter time and work on a few little flies that use your deer hair. Um, <clears throat> I've stopped alongside the road for roadkill and have picked up turkey feathers. Um, I've, yeah, cut off tails. Um, my husband thinks I'm crazy, but, and then you come home and you got to prepare them with your borax and get them all dry so you can use the feathers and stuff, but <laughs> Love it. That's so cool. Yeah. I love it. I, you know, we're, we have a lot of terminology and, and I can think right now later is like, whoa, fly fishing involves like roadkill too. So <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I think we're a little bit more complex at this point, but what would be your encouraging words to ladies that are new to fly fishing? How do you suggest that they get started in the sport? I would totally say attend a BOW program if you have an opportunity. Nebraska, the park up in Ponca, they have fly rods. They do fishing days. Um, check out your game and parks. Uh, I think all summer there's different things going on either every day or every weekend. They have special things, kayaking and paddleboarding and fly fishing and regular fishing and um, take a take a class there again you're not going to learn everything but it's going to give you a base and you can go from there uh, one thing that's kind of super cool but not available when I first started were websites that have tons of information and um, patterns for tying flies and uh, it's just an endless amount of information if you're interested you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. You know, Nebraska Game and Parks, we do have uh, workshops both for adults and families year-round and across the entire state that uh, are maybe just teaching the basic rod and reel, but also we have classes. I know right here in the building that I work out of at the Education Center in Lincoln, we're teaching how to tie flies. Like we have the kits, we provided all for you. You sit down and you work with the experts. Uh, the male and female experts will come in and walk through it. They bring the uh, materials and everything that you need to have, even just like some of the basic examples to show you so that you can go home and, and try it yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, join a local club. We literally have a fly fishing club up here in Sioux City. We meet at the Nature Center and we talk about fishing when we can't fish and tie flies. I'm actually doing the program at the end of July on casting for recovery. And I'm hoping I'll get a few more guys to come out and help guide during our retreat in September. Yeah, I know in Kansas, we've got um, Flatland Fly Fishers is one of the groups that we have out here. And I've got to give a shout out. We will be offering fly fishing at the Kansas BOW event. Registration is open for that now as of the time we're recording this. So um, be sure to check that out at ksoutdoors.com backslash bow. And a big shout out to our instructors, Nikki Christopher and Jessica Nikolai. I know Jessica is a big uh, part of the She Goes Outdoors family and we've had her on the podcast before. So we're excited for Nikki and Jessica to uh, join us to teach fly fishing. Come meet them. So, you know, while I was doing some research for this episode, because I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, the Long Pine area and how beautiful that area is and real popular for fly fishing. But I was also curious, like, what other areas can I fly fish here in Nebraska? And it was 
it was very interesting because I was literally on Google and one of the top spots that, that listed on this national website was the, the North Platte River was a top spot to go fly fishing. And I can see that because, you know, I bet the, the insects fly in and it, typically it's a fairly low river. Um, you know, talk to me about that, Diana, and where are your favorite spots and maybe perhaps why would the North Platte be a popular spot? Well, I think for the same reason you just mentioned, um, probably the temperature is a little more stable. Uh, in some of your ponds, the water warms up quite a bit, and that's not so good for fish. Um, I love the Long Pine area, and there's naturally um, natural reoccurring brown trout out there. Um, they're not very big, but man, oh man, you catch them, and that water's crystal clear. Uh, if you see them, they can see you. So that's another whole challenge to fly fishing, um, kind of be a little stalking there. But um, Keller has a bunch of ponds. We did a Beyond Bow out at Keller. Um, yeah, around here, we've got Crystal Cove. We have friends that have farm ponds. So wherever I get an opportunity, Um at the end of this month, I'm pulling my trailer and I'm going to Lanesboro, Minnesota with Sisters on the Fly. I don't know if you've heard of Sisters on the Fly before, but that's a group of women and um, a lot of them have funky campers or tents or car toppers and they just, we can register online at their website and you can go almost anywhere any weekend in the country and do a Sisters on the Fly event. And they got started with fly fishing and they're huge supporters of casting for recovery, but they'll do, I mean, they'll learn welding. They'll do amazing things through this program. So I would encourage anybody that don't use an excuse that you don't have anybody to go do anything with. You can find people to go do things with if you're interested. And anything you want to learn is out there. So I'd just say, go for it. Drag somebody along with you if you need to, but you meet up with, uh, I went up to the International Peace Garden last summer and drove all the way up through North Dakota. And so it's right on the border of North Dakota and Canada. And we camped and I met some great women that weekend. So just a fun thing to do. I need to check that out. I saw their group um, camping at Clinton Lake, I think, one time. And my mom sent me a message and she was like, oh, hey, like they're out here. What do you know about this group? So we'll definitely have to check them out and maybe have them on the podcast sometime. Oh, yeah. I bet you've got somebody down in Kansas that would be happy to do that. Yeah, there were two sisters, I think, from Arizona that actually started the program. And they just took their friends camping and that idea just evolved from that. Well, let's, let's invite so-and-so or maybe I can do that in my state. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. I'm number 6588 and they're all the way into like the 10,000s. So wow. there's a huge membership of women. That's awesome. Oh man, that is very cool. So we've <laughs> talked about a lot of the awesome things that come along with fly fishing. But tell us, Diana, um, we always like to leave our listeners prepared for what to expect. So in your opinion, what's one of the most challenging aspects of fly fishing? Oh, I would say um, just practice your cast. And the cast is a learned thing. You don't have to be super strong to do it. It's a technique. 
Uh, I always like to talk about Joan Wolfe, who um, as a young woman would go to these sports shows. She had a bunch of brothers and her dad owned a sporting goods store. And she would go to these sporting um, exhibitions, I guess, and enter um, fly casting competitions. And she would stand in her heels and prom dress and beat the pants off of the guys because her technique was just right on and she could cast farther than all of them. So it's a technique and it does require practice. Uh, That would be the one thing I would recommend to not get frustrated right off the bat. Um, Other than that, if uh, I say ask people, it's amazing how many people have equipment laying around that they haven't used and have maybe even forgotten about. You can find equipment through relatives, um, even fly tying equipment. Um, Go to garage sales. You can find some crazy stuff there. Yep, that's great advice. And um, for someone who has definitely nailed herself in the back or in the back of the head with a fly (laughs) on accident before, it's always a good idea to practice your casting, practice with um, flies of multiple different weights. Um, I like to fish a dry fly on top and a dropper on the bottom that's more submerged in the water. So that adds another element that you need to be aware of as far as not getting tangled but it's a big journey and a big learning experience. So Dana, I think that's, that's really good advice. I like that dropper system too. That works pretty good, but yeah, it's a little challenge to cast. So, (laughs) and eye protection is important also. (laughs) Good point. Good point. So um, what about your favorite species to target, Diana? Is there a favorite species of fish that you really, really like to fly fish for? Oh, I've just had some really cool experiences with cutthroat trout. And we were fishing out in Wyoming and there was a um, Lake Pelham, I think. It's kind of a cold mountain. You had to hike up into it and it was just beautiful. And I still remember this fish rising and taking my fly off the top of the water. And so it's fun to fish for trout, but bluegill really put up a good fight and you can catch a lot of those. Um, at, at our pond in Ponca, they, they do stock trout and they stock trout at our local pond here in South Sioux city, which is just up the road from me. Um, so yeah, catching any of those fish are fun, but to hook a kid, if you can catch a bluegill and that gives them a little bit of fight, that really is exciting. So I'll catch anything. <laughs> Whatever's biting. I fly fishing for striper one time, but I couldn't get my cast very good. I ah. had a big old main weight rod and I'm trying to double hand cast it. And everybody was watching and I'm like, you guys, this is way too intimidating. Don't watch me. <laughs> so needless oh, to cool. say, I didn't catch anything, but I tried. <laughs> Cool experience all the same. Have you ever <laughs> caught anything on a fly rod that just completely surprised you that you weren't expecting to catch? Um, yeah, actually, I've actually done a back cast and I've had a little bitty cigar fish still on my hook when I back casted. So I've <laughs> caught little ones by accident and they go flying through the air when I'm, yeah, that I felt bad for that little guy. <laughs> but sometimes you're hooking little bitty ones. Well, the thing I like about fly fishing too is a lot of times when you're hooking a fish, and I do catch catch and release. So I pinch my barbs. So you gotta you know keep your pressure on when you're trying to land that fish with your net. But 
a lot of times when they take the fly, it's just around their mouth and it's really easy to back that hook out. Where if you're using live bait, a lot of times they're swallowing that and it's a little harder to to release those fish without doing damage. So that's just one more aspect of fly fishing that I like. And I do like the catch and release part. Some people think that's crazy, but I'd rather have fun catching them than saving them and having to clean them and all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Tana? What do you do? Oh, I really like, I've just been a blue girl, blue girl. I've been a blue gill girl all my life. Um, I always loved a bobber fish for blue gill growing up with my dad. And then um, really enjoy that on the fly rod too. I got into it because we do, like you mentioned, Diana, have some stocked ponds that have trout in them. And so I thought that would be a good winter activity for me to do when I'm not hunting or hiking or whatever else. Um Last, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, I caught a golden shiner on my fly rod, which really surprised me out of this little pond near the office. So um, just something cool. But yeah, I, I just like a fight. And like you, anything that's biting, I'm down to catch. <laughs> you both bring up valid points that like we've talked about fly fishing in July. We are, we're talking about fly fishing in September. And now Tana's even mentioning you know, fly fishing in winter because you're a little bit more south than we are and so that solid water for ice fishing may not be the experience like we do up here in north and so it's it's definitely a point to be taken is a skill that you can do year-round yeah Mm -hmm. definitely and in those local ponds in kansas at least we start stocking rainbow trout in november so um it's great winter activity get the family out while the weather's still nice maybe around thanksgiving and go check those out there's a list of locations on our website book a fly You can book fly fishing trips anywhere. It's going to cost you a little bit of money, but um, man, you can go down to Texas or Florida or you can go some amazing places and fly fish, get a guide. And that's one thing I did when we were in Colorado. I got a guide for one morning and then I was able to pick his brain a little bit and then fish by myself the rest of the time. But I already had done a little bit of exploration and you know research so there's another option for you if you just don't want to jump in with both feet and do it all by yourself Mm, yeah that's good advice I didn't think about that I'm going on a bear hunt in southern Colorado in September very excited I'm going with one of our KDWP commissioners and a um fellow colleague here at Kansas Wildlife and Parks who also co-hosts the Flatlander podcast. So we're very excited to go and I'm planning to take my fly rod because I've never fly fished outside of Kansas. So this will be my first time. Oh my gosh, Tana, (laughs) this bear hunt, I'm, I'm feeling leading into the bear hunt, during the bear hunt and after the bear hunt, we're going to be having conversations on this podcast. So I'm thinking I need to call Diana and pick her brain a little bit more about what this is going to be like in Colorado. (laughs) So Diana, you don't know what you got yourself into now. (laughs) It's going to be amazing and good luck to you bear hunting. Wow. Thanks. It's brand new to me. So we'll see how it goes. Fun, fun, fun. Hey, so as we start wrapping up the, the podcast here, this episode, Diana, what are we missing? Like any last words that you want to share with the listeners? Uh, no, I think we've covered a lot. Um, I would just say if you're at the least bit interested, give it a try. Because like Tana said, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. But 
it's not as intimidating as people think. And it's truly easy to get hooked, no pun intended, on <laughs> on doing something like this. And it's a little solitary. I will say that. You're not fishing with the big group because you you kind of go off and find your own little piece of water that you're working with. But I mean, sometimes we need that. And that's what I love about it too. That right there, I think caught my attention. The solitude, the the (laughs) peace to not be with a large group, like the mother in me that's always surrounded by kids and in groups and coworkers. And yeah, I, I like that idea that solitude is something I can do. Uh, in peace of nature. Hey, listeners, we encourage you to reach out if you are in need of resources to help you get started fly fishing. Julia and I would be happy to point you in the right direction. We're also happy to connect you with Diana if that's something, Diana, you're comfortable with. Sure. Awesome. So Diana is a great resource, but look into the resources in your area. There's lots of great groups like Diana mentioned, Sisters on the Fly being one, Casting for Recovery being a great group, um, lots of local groups out there as well. So get out there and get fly fishing. Get outside. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Diana, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. It's been fun to touch base with you. Thank you. A pleasure to meet you. And it's been my pleasure to join you this morning. As you can tell, I enjoy fly fishing. So if I can encourage anybody to do it, I will. Awesome. And Diana, you'll be instructing in an upcoming Nebraska BOW? Actually, the BOW this year is way out west at the Port Rob. So I'll cycle in next spring when it comes back to Ponca. All right. Well, we'll look forward to catching you then. Your own group out west. I gotcha. <laughs> we may throw a beyond in there to to bring her in. We can get a beyond scheduled up. There we go. That'd be good. That'd be good. And good luck in Kansas with your retreat. Thank you. All right, She Goes Outdoors family, if you're hearing this message, it's because you've listened to the entire episode on fly fishing with Diana Kincaid. And for that, we thank you so much. Um, We really appreciate you joining us. We hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify whenever you hear the podcast or wherever you hear the podcast. Help us spread the word. Share this with your friends and family. Um, We always like to keep it laid back and we have a variety of hosts on. If you've got ideas for future topics that you want to learn about let us know be sure to join us on facebook as well at she goes outdoors and um, be a part of the conversation there share your photos with us it's always a good time thanks again to our sponsors nebraska game and parks commission iowa department of natural resources and kansas wildlife and parks google their websites again for resources ranging from permit purchases fly fishing uh, wildlife ecology public land maps statewide events and so much more until next time we will see you outdoors outdoors